0: Hi guys, I'm Brad, and this is The Great Hollywood Rewrite. This is the podcast where we take a look at some of cinema and TV's most troublesome titles and have a little poke around under the hood. I'm joined this week yet again by John. Hi, John. Hello. Hi, And we're going to be doing uh, Dream Spin-Offs this week. So it's a special episode uh, where we're going to try and pick some of our favourite characters for film and TV or our favourite storylines. And see if they are worthy of a spin-off. Um, but before we uh start cracking, you know, t- sort of like gems of TV shows, maybe something like, you know, Young Gollum, the college years. Um, before we get stuck into that, please take a look at our website, um, the script department.net where you can check out all the exciting projects that our raft of uh international screenwriters have been up to um you can check us out on social uh you can find us on all the good podcast places and you can buy us a coffee if you want to support us to make more content like this um so john i know that you've been thinking about a few all week as have i um before we do get stuck into that i want to just remember that i want to tell everyone that we're rebranding um so john and i managed to come up with a name a new name for the podcast as we now have all these extra shows and Uh, different threads such as spinoffs and prequels, as well as the rewrites, and we're gonna bring in uh, unproduced scripts as well. Uh, We're going to rename the podcast and we're going to rename it The Phantom Premise. So although uh, the Great Hollywood rewrite will still exist, it will be part of the wider show called The Phantom Premise. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Now I've got that out of the way. John, you've been thinking about spinoffs.
1: What have you got for me? I realize I spend most of my time when I'm watching t v shows just thinking about spinoffs that I want for them because I end up like asking myself these questions about the background of the characters or the show or the world or whatever, and then my my brain just inevitably leads me down this road of creating a spinoff for it without even trying or um you know or when you know something about a character's backstory, like if it was a movie yeah. adaptation to t v or something, you just immediately start writing that mini series or whatever in your mind. Um, I think it's a very apt conversation, though, because I think the I've been following Taylor Sheridan's success over at Paramount Plus with the Yellowstone Legacy, I guess. I don't know what they're calling it, the Yellowstone Chronicles, or I don't know. Hopefully they don't call it that. But it's uh, you know all these different spin-off shows that are doing at Yellowstone, and they're going to follow that whole Dutton family history. and and I, and I hope that streamers start doing more of that stuff, because I think there's so much you can do. Um, with so many great projects out there. So my first one, the one that I really love, if they did something like this, if if I would love for HBO to invest in this the way that they invest, the way that Paramount invests in Yellowstone. I don't know if they'll do it because they just cancelled it recently. But it would be a Westworld kind of a um, nice legacy or a Westworld universe show. Um, expanded universe show and as my first pitch for this Westworld universe I would do the beginnings of Arnold and Robert Ford's um, history together uh, Arnold and Robert were the two people who, I, mean, I there's minor minor spoilers here for Westworld but nothing really that goes beyond um, definitely season one anyway um, but it would be the idea that it would follow there um, the creation of the first uh, sentient, or not even sentient, because I, I don't think they were at that point yet. But the first AI, the first believable human being, um, the first Dolores. Uh, Dolores is implied. I think it's implied that Dolores is the first that they created way way back. And I would love to see not young Anthony Hopkins, you know, but um, or young Jeffrey Wright, but recast them, just just recast them, so we don't have any Uncanny Valley stuff going on. But you, uh, I would love to follow them, and do the whole Frankenstein's monster allegory, where they created this thing, it's alive, it's alive, you know, and, um, and they use that as their stepping stone to creating Dolores, because the one thing that always bugged me a little bit with Westworld was the fact that it's, again, heavily implied that these two men midlife created all of this tech, you know, any one of which would have been like the most game changing technology on the planet. But they created all of it. It's like they're Thomas Edison times a thousand, you know? And and I know there's Moore's Law and all that kind of stuff in play, but it does feel like they're taking that to a whole new level. And I always felt it would be more credible if they created a thing that then created everything else. Like an like not something as advances Dolores but just an android that could do like thousands of calculations per second work all mm. through the night you know whatever and and it could even just be like a giant orb in the ceiling that just you know is, has a bunch of supercomputer and robotic arms doing loads of work like in a car factory but that is the thing that ultimately creates the thing that creates the thing that creates mm. the lords, you know, and you can, and, it, yeah, and it, yeah. it suddenly makes more sense how they, where, you know, it's, it's the Prometheus moment where fire was given to humanity, you know, and, um, and I think you could do something really cool there where there's the politics of all this. There's people learning about this, this corporate espionage going on. Maybe there's some, um, uh, descendants of characters or ancestors of of characters that we know like Charlotte Hale for example maybe her father or mother way back or grandmother or whatever was a part of was a part of this founding family maybe these this founding family got picked off one by one and it was just Arnold and uh, or just Robert you know in the end and you know yes. I think I think you could really you don't, you're not it's not spoiling the character of Robert Anthony Hopkins character I think to go to explore who he is, um, yes. you know, behind the scenes. Cause we don't really get a lot of that. We get, I mean, I think Anthony Hopkins delivers some of his greatest accomplishments as an actor in this show. Um, mm. I mean, it is such a gift, you know, watching Anthony Hopkins in this show. Um, but I do think that there's so much room for exploration there, and I think there's so much room to explore the universe that, or the world at that time, that allowed or gave rise to, or that may have prompted their, their kind of um, their artistry, so to speak, because they are presented as almost like Renaissance artists rather than Silicon Valley tech geniuses, you know. And, yes. And so I think there's a lot that you could play with there, a lot that you could do. It's also heavily implied that there was. Um, a world war of sorts um yeah in in that universe at that point i think you could maybe like is there military tech funding here going on like we want you to create a super soldier but they end up creating something else Uh, they lean into a collapse don't they they they, took they you know they they never really talk about it Would, would do you think
0: there'd be william or any of the delos family in this or is it prior are that, are that you know, the Delos family in it from the start. Like, what's the what? What, what are you thinking? You could
1: you could do that. I mean, Delos came in as investors after the fact, like well into where Anthony Hopkins was already in his sixties, I guess at that point, point, seventies maybe. Um, and I think you you could um, you know, they play with age really carefully in that show, where it's not quite clear how old people are. It's not you know, and and that does really help with the, I think. the great mastery of that show is that you never really know when we're watching what you know Um, absolutely because that the uh some of the autona automatons are the ageless obviously so like
0: bernard like you don't know like when are we how old where where, which bernard is it like it's it's really smart how they do that and i can Mm. see you know what the way you describe like the the the, it's a prequel spin-off so you know, like like Caprica to Battlestar Galactica. I, I really like that show. I think they should have given it another season to let it span out. It's sort of the first Cylon in that film, and this is the first thing that might become, you know, sentient. And, you know, it's really relevant right now with AI, you know, exponentially in, increasing in intelligence every week even – and it's like, will that? When will that have, start to lean towards sentience? And it's a really fascinating sort of idea. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of the story that Hal tells in 2001 about where and when he was born, in which tech, which tech university, I think, and that he was taught a song. And it's the, you know, it's the idea that he would have started off almost childlike. And then he's a supercomputer that's obviously killing people, but keeping people alive in space to travel to, you know, the, the, well, not the furthest reaches, but to the, to some of the most interesting uh, uh, experimental sections of our galaxy kind of thing. And it's, it's fascinating to understand, even from that one scene that he's developed, he wasn't built like that. He developed as an entity over time and it's like oh right so there's a whole backstory there and uh, that's totally what could be happening here on westworld that you know what if they build something that you know it's not gonna be a, a chess robot that you can't beat but you know that that kind of level where it's something quite um almost mundane it's like oh we've created this thing that can do this thing it's like well that's quite you could, even, you know, there's be- self belief in that. There's almost
1: a self awareness to do that kind of thing. You could even do it in in a way where it's a completely unexpected. Like the the idea I'm pitching right now is, uh, you know, two scientists, you know, arguing over the ethics of whatever, whatever. But it could actually be like young Arnold created something and is now on the run because he. And he gets recruited in by this government agency. And it's like, you're going to be working with this other guy here. This is Robert, you know. And uh, I don't know. I also think there's something really... Like, it's it's not lost on me that Anthony Hopkins' character is named after the man who assassinated Jesse James. And I always thought that was like... Is that a bit cheeky? Or is that like, is there something in there that I'm not... That I'm missing? Or is there like, obviously... He does things in the show that maybe you could draw parallels to, and I was wondering, could you like, could you play into that in some way where actually, like, that's not his name, but he fancies himself like, you know, I could be Jesse James, but I'm not. I'm Robert Ford, you know, or something. And I, I don't know. I, I thought well, that he, a... he picks he picks that name. He chooses yeah, name. I don't know. I thought it's very weird that he's in. He's got a, a, a you know. Because I never got the impression he created the theme park. He create, you know, those Delos, you know, uh, or you know, those initial investors that Delos would obviously kind of have superseded, created the idea of a theme park. Like we got to monetize this, we got to profit this from this in some way. Theme park is what we're gonna do, and you know, and Delos takes that to a whole new level then. But I can't imagine so, Anthony I mean, Hopkins this... is getting into this to make theme parks. You know, like he's not walled totally. With, you know, there's a,
0: there's a bit of a there's always a bit of a godplex
1: complex yeah, going on yeah. with with him, and you don't know whether
0: he's gone too far or whether he's trying to fix it or what. It's it's quite it's quite clever the way that they he they keep that character's cards quite close, but you you're still sort of on his side regardless of what's happening. But I think you know is is there something in it where you know, are, are we seeing him sacrifice his ethics to do this? Because I, I almost get the impression it would have been like the Garden of Eden. I always get that impression. It would have been like his own area, his own space. And he's developing these innocent uh, souls, effectively, uh, and teaching them how to be human in a way. And it's it's just would would we see him sell his soul? to take the funding from Delos to keep it alive kind of thing. Do, do we, I'd I, love to uh, sort of, it that. could
1: be, it could be a cool thing where Delos came in earlier and they lost their chance or that they were screwed out of it. And now it's like, you know, you've got a second chance. Cause again, Delos do, it does feel like Delos come into it very late in the game. Um, in the canon, but I think you could. That's why. I'm, that's why I think you could have this thing where. And I also get the impression that Delos the the I can't remember his first name, but um, the, the patriarch of the of that of that of that family initially before Black Hat. Uh, J- thing. James. James. James Delos. Delos. I imagine James Delos was a self-made guy, kind of like Logan Roy in Succession. And so again, I'm not sure if you could do the kind of the, the ancestry thing where it was like, you know, my, my grandfather was one of your, you know, whatever, you know, I think it does feel to me that, um, that Delos does have to stay out of it for a lot of it. But I do think you, but that also, I think gives it a freedom to have, to have a. To have a fresh coat of paint as well. And maybe to explore another another avenue. And it would, you know, obviously this call makes, you know, is a call back to Ex Machina and things like that. But I wouldn't imagine seeing Dolores in this show. Like for me, this would be, we have created something here and the world is afraid of it. And that thing realizes the world is afraid of me. And maybe it's going to do this, go into like self-preservation mode. And I always had this idea where it's, look, we can't build this stuff fast because we will die before we get to that point of advanced technology. Like we're not going to be able to live long enough to advance the technology, but you can do that. You can move in like you're, you're almost living in your own little time bubble where you can be doing this stuff on a level we can't. And you could almost imagine him coming back every week and finding this brand new advancement. And there's... You could almost imagine one day... Like, it initially starts off as just robotic arms, like in a car factory. But they come into the office one morning and there's... There's, like, a skeletal frame just walking around. And it's like... And it's like, who the fuck is this? Oh, I built myself... I needed more arms. I needed to be able to walk. So I built myself something that could walk. You know? And it's turning into that thing where... You make and and it's a it's a good it's the good person like it's innocent it's like I'm doing what you are telling me to do I'm doing what and you know you come back a few months later and now it's got like a synthetic skin and it's like well I'm developing skin for this thing so I thought I'd apply it to myself and see what it looks like you know and you just it's turning into Frankenstein's monster and it doesn't look sharp it doesn't look it looks a little clunky but it's slowly being polished and improved to the point where by the end, when they do that group photograph, let's say on the wall, no one can tell if that person in the background is. And it's, and 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 it's like you can never leave the office. If you leave the office, and and it's turning into X Machina, you know, where it's that thing of you're a prisoner, but you're not a prisoner, but you're really mm. a prisoner because we can't let you out. You know, and
0: yeah, it's like it's like seeing like mechanical evolution. Yeah, like yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, quick mechanical yeah. evolution, yeah. and it's difficult and painful and eventually it will get there but i i what i like the idea of seeing it grow but i also like the idea what uh, you were saying about delos coming in early and then disappearing again because you can imagine that he'd say no i'm not having a corporation in charge of this this is this is something that i'm doing or we're doing and then they 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 you know sabotage him financially over time they sink it they they damages investments whatever they need to do and then they come back and go oh do you need you need to sit you need financial assistance to keep the project going and then they're in and it's like a part of the story could be about delos like you know getting their feet under that table kind of thing like needling their way in
1: yeah no totally um, and i you know for me it's yes uh, obviously they've done this it's ex machina but i think there's an episodic approach to telling this story as well where um you can be taking advantage of the episodic nature of of the story like the way Westworld does. You know, Westworld was a movie. Uh, but there is something about having episodes and different chapters to this that where you are able to play with the audience's perception of time and the way they experience time. You can you you are able to tell a bigger story. And I think yeah, you could just come in late like X Machina, it didn't show us the character, you know, the the AI already mostly built. But I also think that there is a the the whole point of this show would be to satisfy the curiosity of how, and I think that would be the the value of it. And of course, the obvious big twist at the end would be that this prototype, whatever, has implanted before knowing they're going to be shut down or whatever, has implanted or infiltrated their way into Dolores. So. It's uh, you know, when all the sh- you know, when Arnold starts doing, starts trying to shut this whole thing down years later, it's like, yeah, Arnold has discovered, you know, Frankenstein's monster is still very much alive, you know. Nice, um, that'd be great. Anyway. I'd
0: watch this definitely. There's about four yeah. seasons in that, I think.
1: Maybe, yeah. And then or of course so. there's your Delos spinoff, and your, you know. Yeah. By the way, fun fact: go and I don't know if it's still around, but Google the Delos website. It's hilariously brilliant the way oh, yeah. they made it. It's like it glitches and there's like this text on the screen like trying to talk to you and oh, uh, and it's really like they've used stock footage really well to make you believe like it's a proper Silicon Valley tech company and um, nice. and it's um and it's like slowly degrading, you know. It's it's really good. Um anyway, go on.
0: Nice. Okay. I th- yeah, that is great. That's that's a good one. So that's the um Westworld prequel spin-off. So it's sort of like the the seed that started the whole thing lovely um i've got one i've got a, a star wars one we've spoken about this probably three or four times on different podcasts
1: i was down for a star it is, wars podcast or the star wars it, show
0: it is a lando calrissian tv show okay because yeah. because he deserves one um we we've seen two versions of well i guess three versions of lando calrissian um both Billy D Williams young and old and then we've seen the Donald Glover version and he's a fascinating character it, it's like a a slight is he more roguish than solo it's a slightly more roguish han solo i think and it's there there is so much history for he he's in the history of the original trilogy right and the history of Han and um, lando is fascinating but i think to to be able to see some of the adventures that he's been on but also visit old lando at the same time i'd be all for that so you could have both billy d williams and donald glover in this right you can imagine billy d williams sitting at a card table uh trying to hustle some people you know throwing out a few stories about what he's doing what is what he's done before while he's trying to get you know cards up his sleeve or whatever and you cut back to the, the episode with with uh, Donald Glover in it, and I think you know we obviously solo touched on some of the the legacy stories that we'd heard about the card game, losing the the Falcon, the the castle Kess- Tri- run, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, I I think there's a lot to that you could write out of here. I think there is you, you don't even have to go into retconning anything. There's a whole universe to write into and it could, you know, this could be you could have heist episodes, you could have rescue episodes, you could have bounty episodes like he's basically a space pirate that you can take anywhere you want. You're nodding a lot, Johnny.
1: No, no, I agree. <laughs> would you um, would you set this after the events of Solo I, as in like the prequel stuff? I think possibly. I, I mean I don't
0: know because if you're going if you're going in from what would be present time with old Lando you can go in anywhere you know when I when I was a kid it could be a kid it doesn't when I was a kid I did this when I you know when
1: I was uh running spice <laughs> I wonder is but, is your is your season 1 does your season 1 post credits end with him uh with the scene from Solo. Like, a little bit of, um, like, him... I don't know. You know the card game in Solo where uh, where Han meets him for the first time? I think that's where he meets him, isn't it? At the card game. At the car- at the table for the first time. That's where they meet.
0: You think it's the card game. but yeah, it, isn't. But is they, it do, it's, they do it it's, yeah. it's a double fake,
1: yeah. So, what you do, maybe, is you have... Your final episode of season one end with him sitting down to play a card game, you know? And then... Or, you know, find a way to make that interesting. But then it's... Your post-credit is Hans coming and sitting at the table. And then it's like, okay, so now I watch Solo... And then presumably season two will pick up after Solo. Then you know, and you can, yeah, so you could have your best of both worlds there because uh, I totally yeah yeah, I think that could I, th- I think with
0: with with the um uh what they did so well with the Mandalorian they did one season of just getting the story done yeah that the Empire were in it but it was very you know apart from the the main canon there was a you know obviously the empire had fallen and you've got dirty stormtroopers walking around and everything because they'd got no nowhere to clean their suits or what for whatever reason and um they they really just leaned into the mando story and then when you get to the next season you've you've got star it's star wars you've got star wars in there and it's like it was a really clever way of doing it they did a similar thing with picard i know you're not a big star trek guy but the picard show they were like this is not going to be a next gen reunion second season. This is not going to be a next gen reunion. We've got a couple of people from you know from from Star Trek uh, universe here, and then the the next season a full on next gen. Re- and it was like, oh my god, yeah! And it was amazing. It was really good, and it was almost like the false promise of not going. We're not going to do that, and then just going. We know you want it. Of course, we're going to give it you. And it's if you could imagine that, right? Everyone, if you liked Solo, which I did, um there was so much left to happen you know darth maul yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. was there again spoilers for the whole of the star wars universe here i think most of the people who are listening will have probably watched most of the star wars films but there are so many different ways to go here um and it could be this is not going to be a sequel to solo this is not going to be the follow-up to what happens with the crimson dawn and then season two, it is. <laughs> it's like there you go, there you go. We've done all the nice, uh, you know, build up of Lando's character. Maybe a couple of really young Landos, and Lando becoming the rogue he is. meets It meets Solo in the very, very, very end of the first season, and then season two, you pick up after Solo, and you literally you see Darth Maul, and you give give people what they wanted. At the end what of that What
1: would you make the show about though? Because. Um... And I have an easy answer for you, but I want to see what you come up with, which is like you would you would, like Book of Boba Fett is Boba Fett's redemption, whether or not it does it to the best of its abilities. That's what it's about. And or is about, you know, exploring what rebellion looks like in reality, you know, uh, at its core, like what it takes to, to, to be defiant. Um You know and and so on um what would you what would solo be about like why should we watch it outside of just seeing lando
0: so for me i was i would be really keen to see the character-led thread so like we did with better call soul um where you go back far enough and you don't recognize them they're not that character they are someone else and it's like how do they get from there to that guy and i i love that sort of deep dive into someone's backstory it's like oh now i understand why they you, you, you know you you're kind of you're not retconning the history you're just filling it in you're like now i understand why they do that now they understand why they don't like you know robots or you know what whatever the character has in them you, you can you can sell all these different things in a lot like andor is doing the fact that you join him and he's, yeah, he, he's not the guy. He's not the guy you see in Rogue One at all. And you see him, you know, becoming him. You know, the rage within him, is it it, it grows him into that character. And it's, you know, it is thrilling TV to see that happen. And to have someone as big a character as Lando Calrissian and the, the, the way that he is and the confidence that he has if you start off where he's a broken young man you know he's orphaned he's been the empire has taken everything from him and then you you're going to see how he grows into a space pirate that is self-confident and you know sometimes ethically questionable but i love to see a very contrasting prequel version of someone and try and figure out How
1: they get that. I wonder, could you link it also into. um, Apparently, um, there's probably bigger Star Wars fans out there that will know more about this, but uh, after Return of the Jedi, I could be wrong on this, but um, the idea I think was that after Return of the Jedi, the First Order hunted down Lando's daughter. And took her, kidnapped her, and turned her into a stormtrooper or something. And I think the implication in Revenge or um, Rise of Skywalker is that the woman that you see at the end, who talks to Lando, I think the implication there is that he could be her father. But I don't think she is. I think the idea is that they're both um, bonded over a similar. Like, I lost my family, you lost your daughter, you know, and it's just we're both bond like we're both filling each other's kind of emotional gaps, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. But I, I mean I, the, Yeah. But yeah. I wonder, do you go down the road of like in the pre in the future, Lando is looking for his daughter? And that is inspiring a flashback narrative of what or do you go down the road where he's found his daughter and they're like on this badass adventure together and it's like she doesn't like her father, but they're stuck together and the flashbacks are allowing her to learn who her father was at her age. Do you go down that right. road as well? Like, like, yeah, so it's like The present day stuff is the stuff that I don't think... You, you would have to work the hardest at because you don't want it to just be cameo city, like you know where, where it's hey look it's Billy D Williams, you know it's it's got to be more than that. And I think a really beautiful emotional story, similar to kind of what um what I imagine they're doing with Dial of Destiny right now, where it's an an old guy looking back on his life and asking himself what he's done with his time, you know. Um. I I could imagine an Al Pacino any day, any given Sunday speech. Whereas Lando talking to uh yeah. talking to his daughter or something I don't know um...
0: yeah I like I like that I like that and I, 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 it was interesting how they left it ambiguous and the writers were smart to do that because yes it's great to have the idea that that is Lando's daughter that was on the the rebelling stormtroopers it makes so much sense but then. It's a whole galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it's a like coincidence, they, isn't it? It's yeah. like, they just happened to be there yeah. <laughs> after, after 30 years or whatever. That's a pretty big coincidence. So, yes, I like the idea they could have left it up to this, like, galactic coincidence. But they didn't say. They just went, maybe, maybe, because it is a very, very slim possibility. So they didn't just go, yeah, it's his daughter. I, I like that. I mean I, th- I think it would be uh you know uh the the whole Lethal weapon too old for this now I- yeah, ironically yeah, 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 ironically yeah, with yeah, Donald Glover in the other half of the show <laughs> Yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah. but the, you know there's 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 a lot it's really done but it's because it's good
1: Oh yeah yeah <laughs> people no, no, keep I, doing I, it because no, it's I would, good I would be Do you know what I mean I'd be so yeah. excited and I think fans would absolutely love it because the one thing that I really f- took away and felt really heartened by with Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, was how loved Hayden Christensen was as Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, great. because I spent a decade being told I was wrong for liking Hayden Christensen as Anakin. And I, was, I spent a decade being told that the prequels are crap and this and that and everything. I was like, yeah, they're not masterpieces of cinema. But they... They ticked all the boxes for me as a fan of Star Wars, but people—the hate that people had for those movies—turned me off Star Wars for a while. Like it became easier just not to be a fan of Star Wars, so I wouldn't have to get into these conversations and feel like half my half my fandom was invalid. You know, and I loved that. Not only was that show such a love letter to Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and so on, but it felt like the the filmmakers were were obsessive fans of those movies too and i thought wow there is actually a community out there that i could have a great conversation with and share my love of those movies with and i think a tv show like this would do such would be so welcome and would do the same because solo is not one of the more better received star wars films by critics and fans alike and it's great to hear that you're a fan of that show because I remember I came out of that cinema having so much fun with that film. And I think when we did our, our discussion on it previously, my point was I don't feel the necessity for that film. But I don't have a problem with the film. I just don't feel like there's so much Star Wars stuff. I don't feel it, that it's essential that I watch that movie when there's other essential Star Wars things that I should be watching. And so I, I think this show would give so much necessity to that movie and, and almost um, validate a whole fandom that exists for those characters, for those versions. Yeah, those um, so, yeah, I think
0: the Obi-Wan stuff, there was a relative level of catharsis in that to see. It's like, oh, yeah, I did love that. <laughs> Great, give me more. And I think, you know, the, the whole story of the production of Solo was just heartbreak. Like, I like Lord and Miller. Like, I would have liked to have seen their film um, but I also like Ron Howard. Yeah, but it yeah. Just, I mean,
1: it's, uh, it, it yeah. just
0: didn't. It just didn't mesh in the way that it could have done. Yeah. Although a lot of it was great, I loved a lot of the um, sequences in it and references and stuff like that. But there were just bits of it where I was like, mm, "That was
1: that was." I can see the seams there. <laughs> was there so, were, there was were such... look there were el- without getting into discussion, madam. There were elements in that where it did feel a little bit first draft. And there were elements in it where they're just incredible spectacle. That is that's better than some of the stuff you see in prequels or original trilogy. And um, and you you feel the thrill of sitting in that Falcon again. You know it feels like hello old friend. You know kind of thing. And uh, again, a lot. I think that film was a love letter. And Star Wars is always at its best, I think, when it's a love letter to the stuff that we love in that universe. Um, the stuff I love the most about Book of Boba Fett is love letter stuff. And so, yeah, a good old-fashioned love letter to one of the great Star Wars characters, Lando. Um, nice. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do
0: it. Yeah, we've, we've got one there. Um, so have you got another one, John? Have you got, you've got more okay.
1: for me? Okay, I... Um, uh, weird tangent around back around to Anthony Hopkins again. Big fan of Hannibal Lecter. I talked about in one of our sequel, I think spinoff shows before i may have pitched a clarice show but i think they already did a clarice show so uh i know they did but i may have accidentally pitched one um okay so i would do young hannibal which they touch on a little bit in uh the hannibal tv series with mads mickelson um in the vein of young sheldon and young rock i want to do young hannibal Okay, I'm not going to do a comedy or anything like that. But there is I, I love the book, Hannibal Rising. The movie has its moments, but it's not amazing. Uh, but the one thing that I really love about Hannibal Rising is Hannibal's relationship with Lady Murasaki, who is... The widow of Hannibal's uncle. So the idea behind Hannibal Rising is that Hannibal, as a boy, his sister gets killed by a group of men in the woods. Uh, their their fam- the family home is bombed. I think he comes from he comes from aristocracy uh, in Eastern Europe, and they escape the 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 family escape the the castle and all that. They're hiding out in their cabin out in the woods, and then um they're killed in a bombing raid. It's Hannibal and his sister surviving and then a group of uh, Germans pretending to be Russians, I think, um, hide out in the cabin and they end up uh, killing Hannibal's sister. And that is what sets him off in this revenge. But he doesn't get to do anything because he gets sent off to an orphanage in in the Soviet Union and then he escapes. He goes to France. He moves in with um, he, he tracks down his his rich uncle. Finds out that he has passed away. And the the person left is his widow, uh, a Japanese woman called Lady Murisaka. And Lady Murisaka um, teaches him about Japanese uh, samurai history and Japanese um, culture, and teaches him about honour and, and all that kind of stuff. And Hannibal's first kill um, comes from his desire to protect the honor of lady murasaka who is being harassed by a man in 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 the town or wherever they live um and so there's this wonderful kind of story and it's also where he gets introduced to, he finds her samurai mask she has a samurai right. mask in her yeah. in her house on display and it it is like her her ancestors mask and he takes that to do his killing. And so there's immediately that iconography of Hannibal with the mask over the lower part of his face. And it's um, it, it, so I love that aspect of the story. And he just it goes off in a revenge quest where he tracks down these different people who are now much older and they're in different positions of power throughout France. And he's tracking them down one by one to kill them. And it's um, I think there's a great TV series to be done of him on a revenge quest. I think you rewrite it in a way where it's post-war Europe and where each season is him. um, Perhaps each season, or you either do one season, but I think you could do different seasons where he's tracking down these different people across Europe. And it's like a new name on the list every single season. You know, this is the season about this person. This is the season about this target, you know, etc. And you are following him as well while he's in medical school because he was the youngest person accepted into, I think, the Paris Medical or School of Surgeons or something like that. And so you're following him as, as a student. You're following him as a student of medicine, but also as a student of Japanese history and Japanese culture under Lady Murasaki's tutelage. And he's on this revenge quest tracking down these different people perhaps with the help of her, you know, you rewrite it a little bit and you massage the story a little bit to, to flesh it out, you know, to allow it to breathe more on, on the mm, screen. Nice. But it can be that you basically have a woman who is, considers herself samurai, training the great Hannibal Lecter to then go off and do the, you know, and how it connects nice. to the prequel or how it connects to the Mads Mikkelsen show, um, I'm sure there's probably some disconnects between the book and that that you could play into, but... I don't think it'd be too hard to align them, and there's your yeah. So I would do Young Hannibal, and you don't yeah, have to call I like Young that. Hannibal, but
0: um... well, it's it's a bit like Batman Begins somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing, yeah. you know, where the mask comes from and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, obviously there's Hannibal Rising, and I think the the Brian Fuller show touched on the Morosawa thread a little bit. I think there was a property they went to obviously when he was a grown man and there was something I'm you might have to correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure there was something in there, but I don't think
1: either gave that thread enough time. No, they, they very delicately played. About it um, Cause I was keeping my ear out the whole time. I was like, okay, I'm waiting for these kind of touchstones here now in this, um, in this third season where they kind of delved deeper into his past. And they really didn't over-explain it, so I think there's a lot of room to do something that's more faithful to the book, that allows you also, you know, to to explode it out a little bit and and do your own thing that aligns it with Hannibal. I think Hannibal, the three seasons of Hannibal, is damn near perfect television. Um, the way in which they, you're not quite sure, is this still canon to the movies? Is this still like, are we trying to align ourselves with the movies? Oh, no, actually, we're going way off. Like, can this still work? If you, like, there's a long time where all this crazy stuff is happening. You could still rationalize it as being in the same universe as Silence of the Lambs, you know. And and eventually it does, and eventually it just goes off in its own direction. But um, I always, I always thought there's... It is hard for me to decide which... Hannibal universe, it, yeah. I prefer. Like it's there's th- there's
0: three though, right? There's the there's the books, the films, and the TV show. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But which... I I really
1: struggled to figure out which one I prefer yeah. most. Um, and... I mean,
0: his corruption of will in the TV show is just because you don't think it's ha- going to happen because it is going off on its own tangent, and that was a when that started to happen, I was like, oh my god, it it is. I thought he was, you know, bluffing to to catch him, but he is corrupting him and it's just I, I think I preferred that mainly because of the the original story didn't have that in and then it became or not much of it in and then it became they double bluffed you they were like oh this is just the same story oh no oh my god it's totally different it's gone a bit weird and I really liked that so I it's I'm funny, not so yeah. again it's it, you can't really reckon something like Hannibal Lecter, but you can sew in more history to it, definitely, yeah. um, and give his actions more meaning.
1: But there's whole, you know, there's um, the whole like, there's going to be a whole summer where in Hannibal Rising that gets brushed over. You know, that you could just make up half a season there straight away. You know, like like it, it wouldn't be that hard, and I don't think anybody would bat an eyelid, particularly because I don't think Hannibal Rising is precious in people's minds. I think it's a really great story, but I don't think it's precious in people's minds. So, I think there's, there's you would be forgiven for retconning a little bit if it lines up with, and I think if you ask people what would you prefer, um, you know, total fidelity to Hannibal Rising or an opportunity to expand on the Mads Mikkelsen series, I think people would jump on the Mads Mikkelsen series in a heartbeat, you know, um, and uh, and i could definitely see that as a pathway to renewing hannibal because i don't i don't know if i want it to be renewed because it ended so perfectly but um yeah it was i don't know i
0: don't incredible. i don't think that was, it wasn't their intentional ending though was it they were going to make
1: another season yeah 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 but but i do think pulled. they wrapped it up really well i think the greats... Uh, yeah i it, nothing annoys me more than when a show ends in a way that's not supposed to end. Because it got cancelled. Uh, but I never felt that Hannibal Hannibal ended in a... In a... You know, it's it's fitting that the the final season in that moment. Or, you know, even if they didn't plan on it being the final season. Is the one where they also delve into his younger years. You know. And, and the murder... The, is it the... The, um, the killer of Florence or... The yeah, I don't know, I can't remember what the name is, but you know the the, the monster of Florence, great, right? isn't it? You know, like like that the fact that they're aligning, like they 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 made a point to go into his past as we're getting to his end, you know, and and um and and maybe it's not his end actually the way that, you know. So I I'm all yeah, I
0: love the killer of Florence thing. What what what's the line he says? I can't
1: remember. Um,
0: just before he dumps him off the oh uh, bells in or bells out?
1: Yeah 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 <laughs> like... yeah yeah it's so good. It's I love so that. Good. Um, he's, he, yeah. I just, I just think they did um amazing work with that show, and there is a universe to expand on that. You've got Clarice as well. I mean, I know they they did the Clarice show, and I don't think it had much of a life. But like, you cannot tell me there's not a universe here worth exploring on television. Mm. You know, so
0: nice. Okay, I think I think that's. I mean, the amount of. Uh, history before and after that period would be like a dizzying amount of content to sort of feed off to write that show.
1: So I think that's a really smart,
0: smart idea. Okay, Um,
1: sorry, just let let me add one little thing to it. If you really wanted to go, you have it be, this agent Clarice Starling has been told we never found the body of Hannibal Lecter we want you to find his body. We found Will's body. He's dead. We need you to. We we still haven't found Hannibal. We believe he's still alive. This is a brand new rookie right out. So rather than it being we want you to find Buffalo, uh, we want you to go and question Hannibal to get information about Buffalo Bill. It's we want you to go and track Hannibal's whereabouts. Don't inter, don't get involved. Just find out where he is. And in doing so, she starts. Tra- she starts. Well, where could he go? What was his backstory like? and we're getting, like your Orlando flashbacks, we're getting Clarice in the present investigating his past and perhaps interviewing a very elderly Lady Murasaka or someone like that as well, and you're getting um, this whole, and we're getting like two narratives, and the whole thing is stick with it because maybe Mads Mikkelsen will pop up at the end, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. nice,
1: I like that. Okay. I, like,
0: I like the threat of someone, are they going to are we going to see them? Are you yeah. going to show them? I like that. Like she's
1: being tailed that's after a good. while. Like someone's following me. I don't know. When, is it Hannibal? You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay. You're
0: up. Okay. So I've got one. I've got one. Um, so we can't talk about spin-offs without talking about the show that everyone always says, why hasn't this spin off happened? Why hasn't this spin-off happened? And that's Mad Men.
1: Ah, so, oh, you stole Mad it Ma- from me. Ah. Oh. Did I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So but I might have a different one cuz there's Go like on. so okay. many of them. Okay. There's like the Roger Sterling spin-off, there's the Joan spin-off, there's the Peggy spin-off. My I think mine's going to be the same as yours cuz you you didn't, <laughs> you didn't win certain. it's the Sally Draper spin. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, it's I think she's the strongest one to spin off because she's going to be messed up. Like her character is going to be very damaged by what was going down was the five, 5 or 6 seasons i can't remember i think it was was it 7 so in the 7th season obviously her her mom is is dying her dad is vacant her stepdad is breaking down and it's like it's she's going to be very damaged um if we imagine she's in her 20s you're still going to have a lot of the main cast around they don't have to be featured players in this, but you can imagine Draper popping up in it now and again. You can imagine ah, so uh, you would do visit... you
1: would do her in, you would do it in her twenties, 20s
0: 20, 20s or uh, I, I would okay. I would want the original cast or some of the original cast still okay. to be around, not to be in it as as main featured people, but so you can drop them in there now and again. But the the a the era that she's going to be growing up in is the seventies and eighties, right? So we're going to see a. It'll be a, a another period drama, and it'll be. I mean, the, the the most amazing thing about Mad Men is how the art direction works and how the colors they painted it in and how real it felt. And this wouldn't be any different. This would be like a a glorious step into the '70s and '80s. But the the ethos of it, as well as what it looks like, um, we will. <sighs> the original th- the original uh, series was about the you know the rampant growth of capitalism effectively and like the effect it had on america and just the effect it had on the people that were, were working in this environment and i i'm i would just be fascinated to see where she goes because she's going to be difficult to befriend she's going to have potentially a number of like Deep-seated issues uh, on a psychological level, because of what she had to deal with as a child. Um, Exactly. It's whether she would she be at university, would she have not bothered, would she be a drug addict? Like there are so many ways that you could take it because of the the things the seven years we saw her grow up into an early and young adolescent, basically a a young um, teenager. And we could, you know, I think there's a lot in there to work with, and I think to now and again see a Roger Sterling or someone like that pop up would be incredible. And I think you can do a historical fiction that is sewn around Vietnam and things like this. Obviously, the original season lent heavily into the Korean War, and you know, it, it, there's there's no reason we wouldn't see um, what 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 a brother I can't remember.
1: No, but I was, I was going to say uh, Sally's friend who um, who went off to Vietnam at the end, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, personally. the implication is he's kind of going off to die, isn't he? Um, yes. He's, you know, he's presented as a tragic character throughout the whole show and I always thought that was one of the real masterstrokes of the Sally Draper, Betty Draper story. Betty's relationship to that boy, I can't remember his name, um, is incredible throughout those seven seasons uh first we see him he's a friend of sally who hangs out but like they're so young like i mean they're insanely young like you know barely out of barely in school like i would say right and then um over the 10 years that that show takes place you see him you know his mom is being vilified in the community because she has relationships with men she's separated from her husband she has relationships with men therefore like in that community she is vilified and he kind of almost knows that in a weird way and i always thought it was so heartbreaking for him as a kid find out his name because it's bothering me i can't think of his name Um, i can't
0: find i'm looking for it now i'm like where is he where's the guy um but
1: you know he um you know, he he like there's that scene where he sits in the car waiting while she's in the supermarket, and Betty is concerned he's in the car by himself. But also, they have this, and she's going through her own problems, and he's the only one she can talk to. But at the same time, he's the one that is the bad influence on Sally, and and it's it's incredibly dynamic um, that relationship, and it's so tragic. That it goes... That all those characters... Like, he she will be left without her childhood friend. And without her mother. And he will be going off to war. To be a man. Because he never had a father growing up. To tell him... Like, going off to war isn't what... Like, doesn't just equate... Like, that isn't the thing that you have to do to become an adult. But he thinks it's the thing he has to do. Sorry, I'm stepping all over your plan here. But, like, there's just... Yeah, I think Sally is so, and the Vietnam War, like that, can play into that so well. Sorry, yeah.
0: It feels like there's 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 a boiling pot, another boiling pot at the end of the the Mad Men um, saga, and I think to have that, you know, there there was a a bit of development on Sally, but because she was a child for most of it, it was more about young girl growing up. There wasn't like a, a whole other layer of. Her, like it was more about her being squashed and pushed away by her step parents or her real parents, or you, you, you know, it's it it is it would be a a fascinating period to visit her, and it doesn't even have to just be then. Like it could be the next, the next season could be ten years on, the next season could be ten years on after that, and it, you know, we could see, you know, could we see Don's funeral in what in three? three seasons in like are, are we you know that there is a whole lot of history like fictional history and real history to 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 lean on here the idea of be, having a a famous father that everyone loves but you hate him it's like it's fascinating like the 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 levels of therapy that you would have to have to get over don draper being your dad would be uh pretty dramatic i think you're looking for this guy, aren't you? I, am, I can see yeah. Google flashing on your face.
1: <laughs> I am. Uh, I got him, um, Glenn Bishop. Glen, okay, yeah. And when you look at him, like with the jacket and the uh, like his profile picture, when he's when he's um, when he breaks into the boarding school and he's got the jacket, "Stop the war now" and all that and then he gets yep. drafted like that is so tragic he's just he's just, yeah. he's been drafted into a war he hates like yeah i think screw you, know. you for having an opinion you know or for having a point of view or for having uh you know you did everything you were supposed to do growing up against all the odds you became your own person and now we're going to punish you for it and send you off to war and it's like that's um, yeah i I,
0: th- right. I think there's a lot there's a lot of grief in there to be piled on the grief that already exi- already exists, and there's going to be. Sally's not going to want to become Betty. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really not want to be want to become Betty. Like that. There was a huge amount of conflict between those two, and then although it didn't happen on screen, she died. Like Betty dies. Like w- without a doubt, she's very sick and she's going to die quite soon. At, after the end of of, of that. The, uh, the final season and even if you look at the, uh, the actors who play uh, Betty and Sally they look quite similar and you could really play into the idea that she's not trying to look like her, she's not trying to be like her she's not trying to be another Betty Draper, she's not trying to get married and have children in suburbia and be stuck there and it's, you can see her fighting all of everything that society's telling her to be. And I think it'd be a fascinating character to follow.
1: But you know, what's also interesting is, you know, I lost my father to cancer last year and, you know, we had our ups and downs over the years, but it all washes away. You don't care anymore. And it's just, you only see the good afterwards, you know, like you don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't give the the moments where we argued or anything even a second thought anymore because it's just irrelevant it doesn't matter you know and and i think you know that's a story you hear a lot of people say as well and i could imagine sally almost having um an opposite effect to what you described where she embraces you know who she thinks her mother you know the image she has of her mother a, a different a rewritten image of her mother in the wake of her death you know and and in a weird way she is part of her journey is being trapped in Betty's shadow, almost. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, breaking, I like it. I'm breaking yeah. out of that, you know. Um, instead of it just, immediately... I think it could be
0: her finding finding that peace, though. So mm, maybe yeah. initially she is hateful.
1: Yeah, maybe, and the yeah, you yeah. know the
0: the, yeah. the natural direction for her to go into is to try and make her own peace, so she can move on, and yeah. it might end up with her being, you know, respectful of the legacy that her mom left, e- yeah. e- even though it was what she doesn't want to be. Mm. It still created her.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's really and and again the reason I keep touching on Glenn is like these are two pivotal people in her upbringing who died, presumably died, you know, and you um you don't send a, you don't say a character's been drafted off to war if they're gonna come back as Rambo, you know what I mean? Like they're presumably the implication is you know that it doesn't end well, and so I love that idea that she is being defined by a vacant father. And two people who are no longer with us, you know, and I think there's a great yeah. show in there. Absolutely. Um, nice. Um,
0: but I, I, I think I'm, I've, I've gotten a left now, John, have you got any more left or have we just finished? No, on, uh, I did have
1: there? one, which was going to be a justified prequel. I don't know how familiar I am with justified.
0: A little bit. I've seen a couple
1: in the first season, I think, or the second season, you learn that um, Boyd and Raylan, were when they were kids they used to work as kind of um they used to work in the mines or sorry in the yeah in the in the mountains right. you know um digging for coal i think their job was to plant the dynamite and get out um because right, they could yeah. get into the cracks and stuff like that and and i think because if you there's a great documentary um harlan kentucky usa i think is the name of mm. it won the oscar mm-hmm. and it, it was um it's all about the, the minor strikes and the way that there were like people being brought in to like harass the strikers and get them back into work. and it was like real kind of like there was an, maybe a component of organized crime involved in getting the, in trying to break up the strikes. And, um, and it's you know it's a really wonderful documentary, and I think you do a spin-off prequel series where it's Raylan and Boyd side by side as young teenagers whatever um i don't know what the how the timeline would add up but if you could align it with the strike or if it could be like the aftermath of the Mm, strike or something like that where it's where it's the collapse of the coal industry basically in harland because that's the whole point of that world is that they are the vic. like there's nothing left The, the mountains have been blown off you know and and so on um there's a great song as well um uh, where it's um, the sun rises at like ten a.m. and it sets at three because the mountains just block out the sun or something like you know there's right. there's yeah, like yeah. really there's such a great mythology there that you could play into before the mining before the mining companies kind of just destroyed the place you know and I think yeah but even if you didn't want to do the those two characters you could absolutely do. Because Raylan's father, Boyd's father, are all big characters in the show, and you could definitely do them as young men and the organi- you know, the birth of organized crime in that area and stuff like that. You know, so that mm. was my uh, that was my other pitch. You know?
0: Nice. We're we're sort of oh, I think most of these we're leaning into sort of like loose historical dramas here, like fictional historical based dramas and i i love that i've I, anything i watch where it's like oh this is a fictional story but then we are we do have historical characters in it and i, I quite like i quite like that so i think that could be a smart way to go
1: it is a it is um, a, a great writing strategy to incorporate history into your television and it's one of the things that sold me on downton abbey the first time i watched mm, it I, yeah. I was never interested in downton abbey when it was on television then when it finished. Um, friend of mine just kept saying go watch it go watch it you know it's really good and i thought eh, i don't know and then i watched the pilot and we were watching it. and the very first scene is the titanic has sunk uh oh, yeah. there is a yeah. uh you know family members uh you know were on board and and now that has affected the 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 um who's inheriting what and all that and and i just thought what, an, yeah. what a really great inciting incident to to ground This this world I know nothing about in a reality that I have someone you know that I that I have some historical understanding of you know and so, um, yeah, just you know. So I love when TV I love when TV shows do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think they did it well in *Peaky Blinders* as well. Yeah, yeah. And there was the. There was the uh, the whole racetrack uh, thing, and then it went it really got into some re- deep stuff with like the Mosley family. Yes, and yeah, it was like, okay, right. this is, yeah. yeah, this is really smart. So I think we're kind of leaning into that into most of the historical ones that we've just spoken about, but it works. We've seen it work. We know it works, and it's like it just helps ground your script in like such a reality because it is real history. so it's it's sort of a smart way to go. Um, right, John, I think we're going to call time on this one. I think we've got some good shoes there. Um, if anyone has got any other suggestions of what they might want us to do, spin-offs, uh, if, if, if they have any dream spin-offs, uh, dream prequels, or dream sequels they, uh, they want to suggest to us, just drop us a, um, a message in the comments, or uh, email us directly. Um, don't forget, we are changing our name. Do you want to say it, John? The Phantom Premise. We are going to be called The Phantom Premise from possibly next episode. So keep an eye on that. Um, we will be doing a rename, so hopefully you won't have to change any of your subscriptions. But if you do, if any of your subscriptions do drop off, just uh, make sure you resubscribe. And, um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to sharing some of the new formats with you. Initially, we're going to be doing um, unproduced uh, scripts. Which is uh, there are we've spoken about it a couple of times. There are, are so many amazing films out there that were written, and then they were never made. They made something else. They made a different version of it. It just got shelved, and most of them are available to read uh, free online. So we're going to be delving into a few of those. So looking forward to sharing that with you, John. Um, everyone, before we go, if you can check out our website at thescriptdepartment.net. Uh, check us out on social. Um, we're on all the good places to you get your podcasts, and also you can buy us a coffee. So hopefully we'll um, you'll be hearing from us again in a new format soon. Speak to you soon. Bye.